Doug DeGroote is a certified financial planner, CFP, with an MBA in financial planning and an active member of the Financial Planning Association. He established DeGroote Financial Group, but before that he founded United Wealth Management's division of United Capital. Prior to that, he was a partner at Kroll Whedon Company. He regularly contributes to a variety of financial and general media. He's also active politically and has dedicated his time, talents, and treasure to keeping America strong for future generations. He's on the board of directors for Charlie Kirk's TP, Turning Point USA. In addition, he's completed our NSIC advisor training at Liberty University. Welcome to the Economic War Room, Doug. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you for having me. It's an uh, honor. You know, we've, I've enjoyed the time that we've been able to spend uh, as you visited Liberty Hawk yeah. Ranch yeah. and getting to know you at, at various functions. You know, what we're going to talk about, we're going to use a bad, good, beautiful approach. Perfect. I mean, you're, you're from California, so you understand <laughs> Clint Eastwood's had the good, the bad, yeah, and the yeah. ugly. Yep. Clint, Clint was the mayor of Carmel where I lived for a while. Yeah. Uh, but we like to end with the beautiful. We don't want to end on the ugly. So <laughs> we start right. with the bad, we talk about the good, and then we go to the beautiful. Perfect. And, and your background's like mine. You're a wealth manager, yep. and you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of very successful people as clients. It's been an honor to uh, be able to work with these people and earn their trust every day. Yeah, well, you. you're doing great. I get your weekly newsletter. Oh, you know, what happened last week? Yeah, Isn't that absolutely. what it's called? What happened last week and what does it mean? Yeah. So yeah. what's impacting you in the market, in politics, the economy, the world situation? Just tell me, what, what are your feelings today in the bad vein? What's in the bad vein? Well, I think, you know, we've lost our way over the last 20, 30 years. Um, growing up in California, it was truly the epicenter for entrepreneurialism. Back in the 70s and 80s when Reagan was governor, all the way through the, the Reagan White House. Yeah. More businesses were created in California than any other part of the country, year over year over year. And then there's a, a shift as we found our way through, I think the education system, some of the things that were being taught led to less entrepreneurialism. And we've really fallen away from that ownership mentality. And that's what scares me about where we're at as a nation today. And we need to get back there. And, and I think that that's the biggest issue that we face is, is really providing uh, entrepreneurs and young people the opportunity to create their own businesses. And it really comes from, when you think about it, the hockey stick of, of our civilization as Western civilization was the United States. But what, was, what it was, was the First Amendment and, and Clause 8, which literally entitles you to ownership of your property, your intellectual property, your writings, and what have you. And that, that is the capital markets that have flourished because of that. And since that time period, we've created you know, more Nobel Peace Prize winners, more movies, more musicians, more everything, more inventions, more patents than any other country, all countries combined. Yeah, well, you go to the Constitution. Uh, what I uh, want to uh, congratulate you for <laughs> is making your children uh, yeah. memorize either the Bible or the Constitution the to get their first cell phone. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. very crazy. Age 12, yeah. you can yeah. have a cell phone, but you have to memorize this first. That's right. Yeah, if you want a cell phone, that's what they had to do. In fact, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's helped our kids out tremendously in their history classes and, and really understand, look, if you don't know your rights, how do you defend it? Well, that's how Ted Cruz became that's right. you know, He started by memorizing the Constitution. It was a funny story. I was in Colorado. We, had, we were helping uh, Ted Cruz. Or we were invited to go to an event to decide if we wanted to help Ted Cruz with his, his deal. And I was already I was sold on Ted from the moment he became a senator his first year. I, I loved his, his ability to, to really 
filter out the noise and get to the point really quickly. He's an amazing man, and I just I, I really treasure what he's, he's done and what he brings to, to our country. And we were sitting there, and my daughter had just read the or memorize the Constitution, and Ted stands up on stage and says, my dad made me write, <laughs> memorize the Constitution to get a bike. And so I text my daughter, I said, hey, Michelle, you just memorized, there's one other person that had to memorize the Constitution to get a bike, and he's running for president. Yeah, no, isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was really kind of cool. It, was, it really opened her up, and now she's very involved in Liberty. She worked for CPI, and she's done some really neat things as a young lady at 19 years old. That's awesome. So. Well, I'll tell you, I was talking with our, our mutual friend Chris Buzzkirk yeah, earlier, yeah. and he wrote Chris this book about America and the art of the possible. Yes. And he contrasts how we used to be very innovative, which mm -hmm. ties in with what you just said. That Constitution had a very unique clause in it. It, uh, it said the Congress could establish patents, so that, and the first patent law signed by President Washington said he, she, or they. Yep could invent things. So it's a use of pronouns, not in the modern sense, but the use of pronouns. Yep. But it meant women could invent. Yes. More importantly, it meant individuals, male, female, or a group of individuals together. But it wasn't the great British science societies. That's it right. It was individual entrepreneur innovators. That's right. And they made America great. And we've kind of gone away from that. California went away from that. We've, we've fallen away tremendously. I mean, we went from being the most productive in new business startups in the nation for years, for years. Um, really, post-World War II, you saw all these companies, whether they're manufacturing cars, airplanes, I mean, there's tons of that. You got consolidation that happened, what have you. But the reality is, is we were the, the epicenter for growth for so long. I mean, you know, it's funny, you look at history, and it was move west, young man, right? Right. Well, the Pacific Ocean kind of stopped the westward movement, but really I think it's an acronym or, or a symbol for productivity and creativity and adventure and, and really starting your own business. And I think that we need to get back in line with that, and that's one of the big issues that I'm really, you know, I, I try to focus on with young people at Turning Point. Um, I just love these young creative minds that are out there, they want an opportunity, and yet we're falling into this oligarchy of European structure, if, if I might say so, where we're taking that away and making it harder for capital to flow to new creation. And in fact, the innovation that we're seeing in a lot of con times is like social media, but it's the ability to block people, to That's silence right. speech, to stop. So all of yeah. the innovation dollars, which are being funded in large part by the government, yep. our tax dollars and so forth. Absolutely. So we're taking liberty away from individuals and giving power to the government. That's right. I mean, without free speech, you lose creativity of ideas, right? I mean, if you're afraid to do something, that's why Germany, you know, after Hitler, they didn't create anything. I mean, look at Russia. I mean, if Russia, if, if socialism was so great and, and free speech was so bad, Russia would be the most creative country in the world. And they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're, and not even yeah. China, which yeah, attempted right. to adopt capitalism, hasn't been innovative. They're no. stealing most of their yeah, intellectual well, China property. China is a, you know, they, they utilize capitalism as a, they love the word, but they do not believe in the, pro the policy of what it means. And if they did, they wouldn't be you know, creating you know, these social constructs where they're keeping an eye on everybody and saying, oh, you're social capital, you, you, you got a, a box here checked, you're gone. Yeah, well, we're gonna need to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about your solution, the American Made Promise. Our guest is Doug DeGroote, and I wanna start with a quote of his. Uh, this is the quote, you've heard me say it before, 
The freer the country, the more prosperous and secure the people. Our prosperity and security depend on us, the citizenry, holding our elected and unelected officials accountable. And then he says, check out AmericanMadePromise.com, sign it and pass it on. What is the American Made Promise? It's the contract with America. It truly is the American people's contract. It didn't come from a politician. It didn't come from congressmen. It was 88 business owners that gathered in Washington, D.C. at the, the Bible Museum, where the Green family was gracious enough to host us. We had Newt Gingrich uh, facilitate the conversation, which was incredible. Uh, Dave Bratt and I put this thing together, really just phoning and calling out business owners around the country that wanted to be a part of this. And what was amazing was these people showed up on their own dime, no money asked, no money paid for it. They all came in, we all flew into DC, put this together, and we, we sat around tables for you know, a day and a half discussing what's important to us. And it all comes back to that ownership mentality, freedom, liberty, giving people the opportunity to be responsible for themselves. And that is really what this comes down to. Our Constitution allows us to be really in charge of our own destiny. And uh, the American Made Promise is a contract where we were hoping <laughs> to get all our congressmen to sign it as elected officials or people that are running for office. And during this time period, when we, in 21, when we brought it out in November, we met. We brought it out in February of 2022. Uh, I, I presented it to a bunch of the guys at the Freedom Caucus, uh, congressmen, several senators, uh, passed it around, gave it to anybody that wanted it. Um, since that time period, you had Andy Biggs came up with his contract. Scott out of Florida came up with his. Yeah. Actually, his was the first one. And then um, we've got McCarthy that brought his out. So we built this website that has all the contracts, including the very first contract with America, and that's the Constitution. So you can go there, see all the contracts, look at everything there. And what's unique is ours actually provided action steps to be taken. Theirs were a lot of platitude and a lot of talk, which was great because they're talking about it. We got them and talking they about it. They all kind of fit hand they in all glove. Fit, they all fit hand in glove. And why we built this website was, hey, we need accountability. And, and so for so long, we've kind of allowed Congress and the Senate and our elected officials to basically delegate their job and their responsibility as elected officials who are supposed to be running our country to unelected bureaucrats and agencies That's that true. are absolutely taking the laws passed in Congress, or I should say the, the, the bills passed in Congress and creating their own laws to really grow government. And unfortunately, government has one thing to do, and that's to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, no, that's a problem. And that's, that's the scary part. So the investor version of that, and uh -huh. I know you've been to the yeah. training at Liberty University. Yes. The investor version that we do at the NSIC, National yeah. Security Investment Consultant, is liberty, security, liberty. and values. That's it. And again, that's a commitment we're asking people to make is to invest their dollars to promote liberty, security, and values. That seems so perfectly directed with the well, American that's, Made Promise. That's when, when, Kevin, when you first told me about you know, NSIC and, and the organization where you're going with this, you had me at hello. I was just blown away with it because, you know, being in the financial planning industry for, you know, for since 1997 when I came back from Africa. Um, and you were a hunter yeah, in Africa. I hunted professionally in Africa. That, that's an amazing <laughs> thing too. That's a yeah. whole other story. Another story. We'll talk yeah. about that. But when I was, when, when, you know, for the last 20 plus years of doing this, um, you know, to find an organization that understands 
the, the value of capitalism and what it really truly means and, and can see through the noise of the ESGs, the DEI stuff and all the alphabet mafia that's out there, we're getting to the point of what's really important to Americans and that's their economic security, their well-being. And the things that we talk about in your organization and, and going through the class, I have to say is uh, every advisor should have it, regardless of your political affiliation, you have to understand how money's utilized. And if you don't understand that, you're gonna, have a, you're gonna be at a deficit, not only intellectually, but you're gonna be at a deficit from a standpoint of being able to work with clients that truly want to understand how do I best serve my country, my future, my goals and aspirations. Well, I started in the financial business really in the 1980s, but before that in the 70s, mm -hmm. my dad was a stockbroker and so I was ah. following it. You, you in the 1990s, when we started, Wall Street was, was kind of uh, neutral and the, the idea was growth and innovation and yeah. so forth, but it became politicized really in the last 20 years. Yeah, I, I think you started seeing it um, right around the dot-com bubble. I don't know if you remember yep. the dot-com bubble much of what was going on there, but you started to see politics in play in California, mainly because of the Bay Area and all that. And these companies were backing um, you know, it was always Wall Street money was going to the conservatives, right? That's what they always said. It was, yeah. it was the, uh, the idea that, that Congress was getting all their money from those rich Wall Street guys and the corporations. And you really saw, I remember, you know, late 90s, you saw a, a sea shift. And then it started becoming a language. It was really started to, they were, they were utilizing a language to kind of create a... Uh, a, a bifurcation in our economy and our, our way of life. And, and really, unfortunately, I think what's happened is the education system was funded by a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And that's led to, you know, where you had these, these different boards and, and ESG stuff. The ESG stuff is really where it came from, but it was really more environmental. It was all the environmental language that they're going but, after. But it's also massively mm -hmm. political. I mean, we were talking oh, yeah. earlier about how Elon Musk gamed the system a bit. That's right. He realized if he donated money to Barack Obama, That's he right. could take Tesla into the lead in electric cars, and they were not in the lead they at the weren't. time. Yeah, Fisker was actually the one that had the car on the road first, and, and you had those guys, they got left behind because of whether it was political or they didn't donate the right people or whatever. Tesla, Tesla was the winner. So they in that. politicized yeah. Wall Street. Yeah. It was always considered a supporter of Republicans and conservatives. Right. No yeah. longer. No. In fact, actually, it's it's gone the other way. You know, I I haven't seen the numbers from the last uh, you know few months, but in the 2020 election, 97 percent of Wall Street money went to the Democrats. Wow. So when you look at the numbers, uh, donation wise, I'm talking about all donations amongst employees. So, you know, when you're talking about the big banks. Goldman Sachs, Chase, J.P. Morgan, you know, Citibank, the Merrills, the Morgan Stanleys, the majority of the money was coming to, going to them. And the really scary part is the foundations. I mean, you think these foundations that, that really uh, you know, help, help form society in a lot of ways and, and help people. Far, far left. Far, far left. And they're giving into things that are, are actually um, segregating our economy and our people. They're contrary to, we've done polling, yeah. it's contrary to what American people want. Right. We've got this uh, promise. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, fortunes, and our sacred honor, honor that is an American-made promise. We'll talk more when we come back. I look but forward to it. Doug, I love it. Thank you, I appreciate it, Kevin. It's an honor.
We're talking with Doug DeGroote, and we've been talking about his American-made promise. It's a pledge that people can take. And I want to ask, what does your pledge mean for an elected official? It's accountability. At the end of the day, these, these elected officials are supposed to be held accountable to the electorate. They govern by the electorate, by the, by the citizenry. And this is one way to say, hey, I believe in this. I believe in our Constitution. I believe in these ideas. And I'm going to sign my name on it, just like our founding fathers did when they pledged their life, liberty, and their sacred honor. And they literally gave up everything at our Declaration of Independence. And, you know, we're not asking anybody to give up their lives. But the reality is, is if you believe in it, you should sign it. Yeah. And from the from the opposite side of it, or the elect, the, the people that are electing you, the, the, the citizens, yeah, so they the, pledge too. They pledge too. So hey, look, you know what? I'm a citizen and I'm signing this contract. So we've got a couple hundred thousand people that have signed this thing, but we haven't got the elected officials to do anything. And it, it's unbelievable. We haven't marketed it well, we, we've put it out there. But the reality is people have seen it, they're signing it, they're, they're enthusiastic about it. It's just gonna grow. It's like a very yeah. small spark. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, the people are ready for this. Oh, they are. And go to, it's AmericanMadePromise.com. Go to that and, and sign it and get your elected officials to sign yeah. it. Email it to them. I email it to them all the time. Every time I write a letter and email, I, I send it and say, hey, American Made Promise. And they're enthusiastic about the idea behind it. There's a fear there. And I think it just takes one. And it's, it's that, and in a way, this is our Declaration of Independence moment, you know, in a modern history that we're in a, such a stage where Socialism is, we've, we've basically, you know, kind of allowed ourselves to, as a society over the last, you know, 50, well, really since the 1920s, we've compromised our way to socialism. And that's where we're at. And this yeah. is our no more moment. Yeah, but we have so much momentum from yeah. entrepreneurship, from yeah. ownership society, and from innovation that's and right. so forth. All right, so let's talk about the markets today. Yeah. You're a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. I know you got to speak in general terms. You can't give recommendations. <laughs> no recommendations. But what are your thoughts on the markets? Look, I'm an optimistic person, so I truly believe that, that creativity and people will lead our way out. It's not going to be the government that does it. The Federal Reserve is not your friend, although they you know, don't fight the tape, so to speak. But the reality is, is I, I look at there's opportunity and disruption. And there's gonna be this, I think the next year or so is gonna be quite disruptive in a lot of different areas. Energy issues, I mean, they're, they're fighting that, but I think energy prices are gonna be a lot higher. Um, you know, that area is gonna do very well, oil stocks, things like that. But overall markets, I think we have to go through a learning curve here. There's, there's a period of time where we've never been in a rising interest rate environment really since the early 80s. Yeah, not, not in our investing not, careers. Not in my career. And I'm 40 yeah. plus years yeah. in the investment world. So when you think about that, it wasn't really until, I mean, that ended in 1984, 85, right? Yep. Volcker kind of, it started, the break started to come off. And we are in a, we're in an environment where our federal government has spent so much money and they're, they're addicted to it. And we're addicted to the Chinese money and all the other stuff going on that they're, they're kind of you know, putting a blind eye to some of the issues that are actually core to what's going on in our economy. So I really look at this year as gonna be a really tough year from a, from a standpoint of volatility. We haven't seen a lot of volatility in the VIX or anything like that, but you are seeing it in, in public life. Inflation is here, it's not going away, it's not transient. Yeah, no, the recent numbers have shown yeah. it has not It's actually gotten worse. Yes. Yeah, they actually have seen it spike up just the other day, right? And so I think we're gonna see rates continue to climb I think people are going to have a very tough time, especially in the high tax states, so i.e. 
you know, you might want to build a border on the northwestern part of uh, Texas, a wall there, because it might be easier to build there anyways, uh, because Californians are coming. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing. California and anybody else out of the north, uh, they're coming to Texas, Florida, the Carolina, you know, wherever there's low-cost, free states, money's like water. It's going to go to the area of least resistance. Well, when I started, in, in, just before I graduated from college in 1982, mm -hmm. the Dow was 700. Right. And um, then if you just put your money in the market and left yeah. it alone, did nothing, for 40 years you did really, 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 really well. well. But the environment has shifted. Prior to my joining, I watched my dad as a stockbroker. Individual stock selection was very important. Yes. And not because the index went nowhere. From 1966 to 1982, it was flat. Well, yeah, you look at the 70s during that time period, you had the markets, huge amounts of up and down swings, right? But really, from 68 to 82, it was pretty much the same level. It might have gone from 400 to 700, back down to 400, whatever. Yeah. But individual stocks, actually, if you were really good at understanding the environment and where those companies operate in, you, you did very well. This is why you need a financial advisor. Yeah. This is yeah. why we're training advisors yeah. you know, to, to get the bigger picture. But financial advisors become increasingly valuable in volatile markets Absolutely. And people need that. Yeah, look, you've got to overweight the area. There's always going to be good areas in the economy. And, and so when you ask, you know, what's good out there, there's going to be good areas out there and they're going to evolve. And there's going to be sectors of the economy that are going to do very well. And you've got to overweight those and underweight the bad. And we're in a situation where right now you're letting, you know, the, the noise is pervasive. It's all over the place. And very few people are really wanting to identify what's really going on. They just want to step back and wait. And I actually think this is an opportunity going forward to really position yourself and be prepared for, for those opportunities. And but you you're going to gonna need advice to do it. You have to, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let's jump to another topic very quickly. What happens if America fails? The world's in trouble. I mean, I, I think we are, we are, there's two nations in the world that I think we're were granted by God, Israel and the United States. I mean, you know, biblically, you can go back to, you know, beginning of, of time, Genesis, and all the way through, uh, New Te Old Testament, New Testament. And here we are, our, our founding fathers, they understood who we are and what we are as a nation because of their faith and who they were. And they set it up so that liberty, which is granted by God, not by by man's laws, it's God's law. And I truly believe that if, if America fails, there's no other nation that is out there that's going to be free or allowed to happen. Canada's not gonna do it. Australia's not gonna do it. China's definitely not doing it. South Africa. South Africa, they've all fallen. The communism is, is uh, you know, it's very enticing to these people that want to be taken care of. But if you're looking for true liberty, America has got to be defended. And, and, and I, I believe in what, what Lincoln said. I believe it's not going to be a foreign country that does this. It's going to be what happens, you know, here. Well, and I, I love it. I love knowing you, Doug. It's been, mm -hmm. it's been an honor and privilege. I love the fact that your hope is in God. Yeah. And that if America turns to God, we can restore the liberty we had. It's phenomenal. We have to. We have to be discerning. We have to look at those, those times of, of, I mean, you look at, you know, Genesis, the first 11 chapters, you have to learn discernment, you have to understand it, and as an advisor to people, you have to understand what that, what's right and wrong. Well, I love it, Doug. Thanks so much for being in the Economic War Room.
Hey, we're going to summarize all this that we've talked about in our free economic battle plan that you can get at economicwarroom.com. And if you want a financial advisor that's gone through the NSIC training course like Doug DeGroot, you need to learn more. Again, you can find that at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room. Thank you.